2: Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas,
0: 78218.
2: Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, the entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live Your Apache Indian Scout through the Book of Books,
0: Sophie Dollar. All right
3: very much along with my pal Jacob we are talking about the bible all things biblical that's our focus in helping to understand the bible at times sometimes that uh, involves a little bit of explanation uh, uh, Biblical, of course. Uh, We we can't entirely get away from theology and the background that we have, that those fundamental points that we get from the scriptures. But we we are making our way through the books of First and Second Chronicles these days. That has been our reading this past week. We read from First Chronicles chapter five through chapter twenty-four, and we have. um, had you noticed, Jacob, that second page of our questions? It's kind of a who's who of I like the genealogies. Days. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to to try to to see if people can remember who these people are. I don't know if I would have early on. I'm not sure I would have remembered.
4: But I can't place the face. Oh, I'm, say that again. Yeah, I was trying to tell some people that. As a matter of fact, I also heard that. People were not hearing me off and on last week. Okay, But, at any rate, to answer your question, I recognize the voice, but I can't place the face. Right. Something like that. Something like that.
3: Yeah. Well, what it is is there's a list of about 44 people here that are mentioned here in Second Chronicles. And some of them, their name, Abraham. Everybody probably, if they have some biblical knowledge, will remember who Abraham was. Was. And exactly, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but then kidding. if you go to someone like hmm, Achan, will people recognize Achan or Issachar or Zebulun or, let me see, how about Abigail? You know, I'll, she's one of my favorite people in the Bible, actually. But who would actually remember? Do we remember these stories? So uh, we might get into some of that
4: today and put out well, some names. As a names. matter of fact, I really, if it's okay, uh-huh. I would really like to state a, what I would like to present, and it really is based on the names, mm-hmm. a theme of Chronicles. Okay. And I will tell you, in Jewish literature, it's understood to be the line of progression, uh, with from adam to the messiah uh-huh. and i'll tell you where i really hope to end up tonight mm-hmm. we all know that depending on which branch your christianity belong to some say a hundred some say two some say three i think you say three hundred prophecies from mm-hmm. the old testament <laughs> Phanoc- <laughs> uh, so but without going to prophecy in chronicles as we read these list of names there's actually in black and white the requirement for the Messiah, mm-hmm. and it's more than once. So, and uh, in the last hour, when we work our way up to it, how's that for getting people to listen to the last mm-hmm, hour? That's good. Uh, so, I'd like—I'm going to actually go through, I hope, and show where it is actually at that the black and white requirement for the Messiah and for Christians who. I uh, accept in faith and love that it's Jesus. That's fine, but that also means he had to meet these requirements.
3: Okay, yeah, that was what I was going to say. It's not just requirement; there are many requirements, many hoops that the Messiah has to fit through and, and jump through to be <clears throat> to be recognized
4: as <clears throat> the Messiah. So, uh, yeah, we can we can move toward well, that. What's that really event. interesting is without going into <clears throat> prophecy. Uh, what's interesting is we actually, one of the rare times it appears that actually there's an absolute couple sentences says this must be the case. Mm-hmm. And at the end of tonight, uh, if people are still awake and interested, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps we can get to that. But that's kind of the theme I'd like to head if it's okay. In 1 Chronicles, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> chapter 5,
3: we are beginning there during the time of uh, King Saul, the first uh, uh, anointed and the first king of Israel following the times of the judges. Uh, And of course Samuel uh, anoints Saul to be king and he begins well, it seems. He's ready to go. He's uh, willing to serve. He's there's some eccentricities from the very beginning in in uh, in Saul's life. He he's, he seems unusually one uh, well, for one. He's very very shy. Right? Do you remember that he he hid in in the uh, it said it hid among the suitcases of the travel uh, uh, thing that people had come to this uh, conference or sort to to. to see the new king or who was going to be the new king, and they found him hiding. He was tall. He was handsome. Uh, Those are characteristics, but he was a a little, almost an extremely shy and underconfident, which I've always been quick to point out to people that extreme shyness is really uh, the the same reason, the same... um, characteristic character flaw as extreme um egotism you know someone who's really outgoing constantly uh, looking for the limelight and so on they, you know that they're, they're just two ways of responding to insecurities one is to be a bombast you know to be very bombastic and to be loud and boisterous and uh, so on uh that's one way I always have to be the center of attention and so on that's one reaction or character of being egotistic and self-centered the the other extreme but it's the same problem is extreme shyness and uh, not because they're so self-appointed so self uh, full, full of self-thought that but within the insecurity that makes them more shy so i, I have a so friend, saul
4: yeah i have a friend that's a psychologist. Uh, his dad psychologists, a psychologist, his brothers, and they're in a whole family of them. And they tell me exactly what you're saying. They tell me that when you find a person that's got an uh, exaggerated sense of ego, mm-hmm. they have to treat it as though he's got an inferiority complex. Mm-hmm. That's how you treat the exaggerated sense of ego. And I found that fascinating. So it's yeah. actually supporting what right. you're saying.
3: Right. Both of them are, are there's just two different ways to re, to react, and Saul was one that – he was a little eccentric from from the very beginning, you know, not wanting and wanting, and he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Was he, was that a kind of a political choice they made to pull somebody out of the tribe of
4: Benjamin? Uh, I, I'm wondering why Saul was selected, in a way. Well, I will way. tell you this without getting in deep into other places. Uh, there is a requirement that uh, for the Messiah – both the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah must come back together. The two sticks back together. Hmm. Now, I read that as the application of uh, uh, Paul from the New Testament, because he's from what tribe? Yes, you're right Benjamin. again. Benjamin. So, you see, now you got Jesus from Judah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Paul from... Benjamin, mm-hmm. So I'm reading that as kind of like they're saying, if you're not familiar with that requirement and you don't know that is one of the requirements of the Messiah, then you think, well, that's just a nice thing, mm-hmm. except it's always been understood that must come back together. In fact, in Chronicles tonight, it makes reference to that. Does it?
3: And are they – is is a reason for that? Is because both – no, let me see now. Was it because Judah and Benjamin were children of Rachel? Is that right? Yes, they were the two very, sons very, of Rachel. Very,
4: very good, soapy. Okay, that goes back to that, mm-hmm. and that's exactly. So when you go back on Genesis, you'll see the. If you'll pardon the pun, the genesis of the story. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as the tribes split up and you you get Benjamin, it becomes residing in the territory of Judah. So you've got the actual fulfillment of what took place in Genesis. I see. And and all the actions of the patriarchs. That would be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses is not the patriarch, um, though I would vote for him if we were having a vote. Um, But... What's interesting in those th- three guys? They are considered their actions in their life. I I'm not comfortable with the word foreshadow. I like the word portent. Mm-hmm. It's a portent. Portend mm-hmm. uh, uh, of what is going to be taking place again in the future. So when you see this stuff in Genesis with the patriarchs, you, it actually takes place. If you can understand exactly kind of what you're saying. Well, let's let's get
3: into uh, maybe one of the. Um, the topics that we that you found interesting, uh, and I do want to put out a question for our listeners if someone would like to call in and answer a question after the disastrous attempt to move the ark the Ark of the Covenant from, uh, into Jerusalem. remember um, a fellow named Uzzah reached out and touched the what, ark is and, that number you're number five i 'm looking at number uh, six six. After that first attempt to move the Ark into Jerusalem, it was the Ark of the Covenant was left in the home of a Levite, Uh a temple gatekeeper Uh who experienced great blessings on his family. I've always found this to be the most interesting phenomenon, that this fellow took the Ark of the Covenant, uh, a Levite, into his home and was willing to keep it. Uh And he received a, a, a marked, a very clear blessing from the Lord that is pointed out. And so I want to ask our folks, who was this Levite? If you can remember his name, it's found in chapter 13, verse 14. Who was this Levite? And what was the uh, blessing that he received for having housed, uh, <laughs> warehoused or kept or however he did, kept the Ark of the Covenant uh-huh. in his home? for a period of time. Okay, what was his name, and what was the blessing he experienced? If you'd like to call in and give us a thought about that, I'd love to hear it. and I'd, I'd kind of like, like to discuss that once we get the answer.
4: Okay, but and leading up to the answer, did you want to do the question that precedes that, your number five? about, And you mentioned it already about Uzzah. Yeah, we've told the story. Uh, the, uh,
3: the first attempt to move the Ark of the Covenant from kiriath Jerem to Jerusalem was an embarrassing failure for David. Uh, and we, have of course, already mentioned his name, Uzzah. Uh, we could talk about that a bit. Yeah, If we look at that, it's in Chapter 13, the incident. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant had had been um, – where was the Ark of the Covenant? It was it taken back from the
4: uh, – The bad guys had it. Is
3: this with the Philistines? Yeah, the bad guys. They had it, and then they sent it back on a cart. And then David tried to move it. Okay, they sent it back on a cart. Uh, which is not the way, but they're the bad guys, so they don't know how to move the cart, But the cart is pulled by a cow. <laughs> Thank you for that. The, the cow is move, uh, pull. The cart is being pulled by a cow, who actually leaves her calf. Uh, and walks the cart back to the Israelites, which which is, which is really interesting because a cow, I know from my vast farming background, I am an FFA member, veteran, Future Farmers of America, believe it or not. And a cow would not normally leave, walk away from its calf. But uh, this one did and took the Ark of the Covenant back to the people of Israel. And they then David wanted to move it uh, from wherever it was to Israel. Uh, to Jerusalem, because he had selected Jerusalem as his capital. Uh, is there any reason for why David? This was used to be called Jebus, I think. The Jebusites. Well, that's there the and, first
4: part of the word Jerusalem. Uh, mm-hmm. Is two words, Je, uh, and uh, and your, the first part is uh, peace, or I'm sorry, see, I will see. So, okay, and see, so and that takes place with Abraham. I will see peace. I guess, and then Salam or Salem mm-hmm. is peace. I will see peace. But I wonder why David chose that city to be his capital. Are uh, we ever because, told? Yes, but it takes place in Genesis.
3: Is that where the uh, the uh, the the what do you call it? What did the, the the thrashing floor? Uh, no, the threshing that was floor? David.
4: That's David.
3: Okay. Yes. Oh, that's right. That's right but i was wondering why david chose jerusalem to be well, his capital
4: well because uh, abraham chose it i see so that uh uh-huh. and you'll see when abraham goes he he goes to bethel which means house of god mm-hmm. that's in jerusalem mm-hmm. and so he goes there so he actually abraham actually marks the boundaries of israel he makes the design now it's a little smaller than what the the israel land size is mm-hmm. but the design is the same and so he lays it out. So David goes, knows where to go. I see. And so he actually does that.
3: Well, one thing I see here is once once Saul is out of the picture, uh, Saul doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the place and the role of Israel. He doesn't get the vision of their identity as the people of God and their role in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in God's plan. Uh, and, and so Saul is eliminated. It says God removes his spirit from Saul. And that creates this period of time when Saul knows he's out. He wants his son, Jonathan, to become the next king. But obviously it's clear that God's blessing is on David because Samuel had gone to David's father, Jesse, and anointed David years earlier that he was going to be the king. And so Saul... Chases David for many years, pursues it, tries to kill him, tries to eliminate him, tries, uh, he, tr- he keeps him, takes him into his court, tries to keep
4: his enemies close, I guess is the idea. Uh, but, but, uh, well, he can't get away from David because David is the, what you might call the cultural common law hero.
3: Right, exactly. He killed Goliath. Uh, yeah and
4: people he's already
3: high in the imagine so so Saul can't really just overtly come out and kill him because the the people he has the favor of the people it's just an amazing situation really but and then on top of it off Jonathan and David become best friends yeah. and and Jonathan recognizes that David is to be
4: the next king of, it seems but like but David actually <clears throat> has his own foibles Oh yeah, uh,
3: he's got fact, a few. But... You
4: mentioned chapter thirteen. Have you got? a... Do you happen to have a Bible? I do. I have it
3: right here. Look
4: uh, at that very first sentence of thirteen.
3: Okay, we're into first chronicles.
4: Yeah, I'll be first chronicles that's in uh, in, in what's called the called the Old Testament just before Second Chronicles. Right? Uh-huh. Yes. And, uh, I'm getting there. Here I go. Here I go. Chapter eleven. You uh, said chapter thirteen. I did. That's well. You mentioned it. So, mm-hmm. so here we let's go. take a look at David. Verse 1. Look at that. Uh-huh. Look what he says. Okay. David consulted okay. with all his
3: officials, including the generals and captains uh-huh. of his army. Uh-huh. Then he addressed the entire assembly of Israel as follows. If you approve, and if it is the will of the Lord our God, let us send messengers to all the Israelites throughout the land, including the priests and Levites in their towns and pasture lands. Let us invite them to come and join us. It is time to bring back the ark of our God, for we neglected it during the reign of Saul. Mm-hmm. Where's a foible in there?
4: Now, right there. His, David does not know how, right there, who to consult. He doesn't know, but he, even a second failure he doesn't know who to consult so who does he consult with his generals his officers so we're going to transport us So generals let's all salute let's figure this out among <laughs> us and they will say we're right on yeah uh, david we'll do that but that's absolutely wrong so this is the laying down to the groundwork of why poor mr uza got fried oh it says uh
3: including generals and captains of the army. Uh, and then he actually
4: kind of consults with the entire assembly of Israel. Well, I assume that's a... Well, look what it says. He says he sends out the people <laughs> to tell the priests and the Levites in the cities that was ringed by the pastor <laughs> ones So he's kind of informing him, and who? And we're going to find the answer. Okay, The answer actually comes up in two chapters from this where David actually has learned who to ask. Is his foible, is his...
3: Uh, is the character flaw or whatever, if whatever it is, the characteristic that we're criticizing, is it that he was um, too eager to please people, that he he had to bring everybody into the decision, and he was a, he ruled by he was trying to rule by consensus, and later on he learns how to actually be a ruler, or a king, which doesn't mean you admire it. it uh you ignore your advisors and you don't seek, but you're willing and able to take a, a, make a decision without yeah he, he seemed to be wanting to get his generals and his these people he wanted, in a sense, it looks like he's trying to get them to answer mm-hmm. to give him the actual
4: answer. That's right. David talks he, what I get out of this is that number one, he does not know. So he's not been trained very well okay. by somebody. Right. Number two. Trained, you mean to be king? <laughs> trained to be biblically literate. Okay, good, okay. And uh, number two... He doesn't even know who to ask. And he's surrounded by these officers who may be grand in being warriors and generals. Well, they were probably his
3: closest people, right?
4: Because he himself was a warrior. Uh, But but he doesn't know who to consult with. So he took counsel with his officers. Mm -hmm. And then over in 1311, as you mentioned, it says, uh, well, look at verse 1310. It says, God became angry with Uzzah, and he struck him down for having stretched out his hand and touched the ark. And he died right there before God. And mm-hmm. David was upset with God. Now, David is upset. He's not angry, but he's upset. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he, he can't seem to know how to transport the ark. But And everybody wants to say, well, Uzzah was doing a good thing. This ark started to slide off the cart. Mm-hmm. He's trying to keep it from sliding. And I think we talked about this before, but mm-hmm. you know what the problem is,
3: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, uh, multiple problems, I guess. For one, everything's being done wrong. They're not supposed to carry it in the right. cart. Right. Only the Levites are supposed you know, It has poles that are put through the rings and mm-hmm. carried in the roy that God commanded. And David, David
4: just- didn't know even who to ask. Mm-hmm. So his failure to be, shall I say, biblically literate as a leader in Israel caught, ended up causing the death of Mr. Uzzah, who was trying to be a good guy. But what happened is, was there a problem if the art fell off and laid on the ground? Is there a problem with that?
3: No, not in and of itself, I guess. Right? Isn't that what you said that the uh...
4: The sin, uh, So what's dirty to God is sin. Okay. The dirt does not sin. Uh-huh. Uzzah is a sinner. The message here is. Something that's a sinner cannot touch what's holy. Mm -hmm. So the lesson is, Mm -hmm. and David understands the lesson. It's an interesting thought. Because he cannot, so he, dirt to God was sin, Mm -hmm. not dirt. Mm -hmm. You can always, the altars are on dirt, everything's dirt, because the ground itself does not sin. In fact, didn't the altar have to be made out of uncut stone? I mean, very natural. Uh, The altar, unhewed stone, that's right. And the reason for that is? Is because you're right again. It's because you can't use some sharp object to cut the stones, because then you're not doing what God made with it. Uh You're shaping it with perhaps even a weapon of war. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But look now, so he causes poor Mr. Uzzah to get fried, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: and
4: David's upset in verse 11. Now, if you want to see what David learned from all this, look over at 15, uh, if you still happen to have your Bible with you, Mm -hmm. 15, 1 and 2. David now built several buildings
3: for himself in the city of David. He also prepared a place for the ark of God and set up a special tent for it. Then he commanded, no one except the Levites may carry the ark. The Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to serve him forever. And notice, so
4: notice the distinction between 13 and 1. Instead of talking to his generals, he finally learned that, man, my not knowing what God demands causes other people to die.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm Hmm. Well, yeah, that's a a tremendous lesson there. Uh, We must know what God wants, and revealed God has revealed what He wants, and so we need to know His Word. Great, great lesson there for us. I I wonder if any of our listeners have uh, discovered the name of this fella uh, who, after this disastrous attempt to move the ark to Jerusalem. David sort of takes a rest, he backs away from the situation, and they put the the Ark of the Covenant in, wow. in the house of this Levite, mm-hmm. a temple gatekeeper, uh, sort of a humble position really, I guess, of this person, and he experienced great blessing on his family. He kept the Ark of the Covenant, a covenant for three months, and then it says that God blessed him, and so I'm asking, what is his name, do you know his name? And then, because, you know, we got this whole list of names we talked about at the, at the beginning of the program, they're listed in Chronicles. What was the name of this guy, and how? what was the nature of his blessing? How was he blessed for keeping the Ark of the Covenant for three months in his home? If you can answer that, give us a call. The answer, the phone number is 210-340-9585. 210 340 Nine five eight five. You can call to answer that question, or you can have your own thought about Joseph. I mean, I'm sorry about Saul, about David, about the moving the ark of the covenant, about the city of David, uh, particularly what we're looking at in the opening chapters of the book of, of Chronicles. Right. Uh, if you'd like to comment on that, or ask your own question, or really any any other question concerning the scriptures and the Bible, we'd be glad to visit with you about it. Again, can the phone we give number. Hint where the answer might be found. I did. Chapter thirteen, verse. Uh, what did I say? Fourteen. You did. You yep. did. Chapter thirteen. So the answer is yes. We can give a hint. That's right. First Chronicles thirteen fourteen, and I want to know the name of this guy, and I want to know what was the nature of his blessing. I find it personally. I find it extremely intriguing because I'm I'm I was an orphan growing up and all, but I'm 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 really a family man. I get I get emotional about all things family. You know. <clears throat> Mom and dad and children and brothers and sisters. and oh. <clears throat> It touches my heart. And so this story uh, really touches my heart, how God blessed this individual. If you got an answer for us, give us a call, 210-340-9585. <clears throat> oh, there's our music. So we're going to have to take a quick break here. We won't be very long at all, folks, so stay with us. We're going to continue... Looking at the book of 1 Chronicles, chapters 5 through 24. There's a lot of content, a lot of people. Uh, we'll get back to that in uh, just when we come back. So don't go away.
2: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
4: Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it.
3: Go to DrShelton.com
2: or call 590-7878. As we fondly remember those who have died, may we also extend kindness to those still living. I'm glad that you've joined us for another daily encouragement from Our Daily Bread. A Living Memorial is the title of today's reading, and it was written by John Blaise. I grew up in a church full of traditions. One came into play when a beloved family member or friend died. Often a church pew or possibly a painting in a hallway showed up not long afterward with a brass plate affixed in memory of. The deceased's name would be etched there, a shining reminder of a life passed on. I always appreciated those memorials, yet at the same time they've always given me pause because they are static, inanimate objects, in a very literal sense, something not alive. Is there a way to add an element of life to the memorial? Following the death of his beloved friend Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20, David wanted to remember him and to keep a promise to him. But rather than simply seeking something static, David searched and found something very much alive, a son of Jonathan. David's decision here is dramatic. He chose to extend kindness to Mephibosheth in the specific forms of restored property, and the ongoing provision of food and drink, saying, You will always eat at my table. As we continue to remember those who've died with plaques and paintings, may we also recall David's example and extend kindness to those still living. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.
0: No one said it would be easy, but they were right. Parenting is tough. Whether you're married, single, have one child or 11 and counting, raising kids is the toughest job out there. Parents need all the help they can get. Find parenting support on The Word. Programs that deal with family issues. Be ready for your most important job. Parenting is no cakewalk. So walk through it with The Word. AM 630. The Word.
1: Hey, this is Bob Walczewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Judah and the Lion is a Christian group made up of three Nashville-based guys who met at college and now mix their love of folk, pop, and rock into a multi-layer musical sound. Their latest album, Pep Talks, is a 17-song collection that tackles a number of difficult life issues. The band breathes life into its tough topics with honest transparency and enjoyable tunes. But addressing issues such as divorce, addiction, and anxiety is never easy. What Judah and the Lion want to communicate, however, is that there is still hope to be found even in the hard places. For a full review, visit PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Walaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In.
0: Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
2: Even in the little things that never seemed too big to me and the things I thought didn't matter much at all as simple as my daily bread to the strength I need to get out of bed or when I fly or when I'm about to fall with oh, you and me, that I fail to... This
1: is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar
3: I've always enjoyed this song because I identify with it so much. Lord, make me aware. You know, one of our problems that we have as human beings is that we get so earthbound in our thinking. Maybe this was part of David's problem. We get so we get so set into our affairs here on earth, and I mean, yeah, we're believers. We love God. We we trust in uh, the Savior. We're, we're part of the kingdom and people of God. We want to follow God, but then we leave our house on Monday morning and we get all wrapped up in work decisions and work relationships and traffic, and we get caught up in the affairs of the earth, and we tend to forget uh sometimes even maybe a day or two or three or maybe a longer even, who we are and whose we are. And, and, of course, we want to take that knowledge and that understanding into every situation of our lives as we leave. We're, we're walking in God's presence. We're his people. We're uh, Everything we do is part of uh, God at work in us, around us, through us, in every setting and situation. And so uh, we often need God to make us aware, keep us aware of him. It's called practicing the presence of of God, I wonder if that might have been a little bit of what happened to David here. He got into the mechanics and to the the job of moving this ark and getting into Jerusalem. He got all involved in what he wanted to do and so on, and, and, and he forgot maybe to consider who that he needs to consult with God. As you said, he was consulting with his generals and all. Maybe that's one of those things that he w- was going on. But uh, I I was asking you a question in the break. Why was it that that Why was it that God chose this fellow? Now, no one's called with his name yet. If you know the name of this fellow who uh, took the ark in and kept it in his house for three months, and then God blessed him in a very special now, this way, this is
4: not the question whether to win the free Cadillac, right? No, no, no. We're not giving the free Cadillac
3: for this one. Yeah, I was going to say the question is too easy, but no one's calling on it, so I don't know. Maybe it's not that easy. But who is this fellow, and how did God bless him? Now, um, meanwhile, I'll give you maybe a little, another little hint. We'll, we'll change the question. But if you'd like to answer two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five, but why did God choose him, Jacob? Why, why do you? Wow. Was he just as the guy you, that lived in the did, closest as house? You read,
4: uh, as you read, as you your <clears throat> Bible, there. Uh, what was his so-called occupation? He is a Levite. Okay, but we know but it says what does he do he's a gatekeeper. Gatekeeper. And I thought
3: that just meant that he stood at the gate and opened the gate for people and like a doorkeeper. See, you know? those
4: Jewish eu- euphemisms uh-huh.
3: will throw people off if right. they don't know what they mean. Okay, so he, he's not a Levite. He's not, I mean, he's not a priest, right. but he's in the Levites. Remember,
4: the Levites he's, had the task the, of right.
3: keeping the gates, right. there were also tasks of cleaning and carrying, uh, disassembling,
4: putting uh, stuff uh-huh. back together. So, every, the tribe of Levites had all the duties at the, uh-huh. the, uh, the temple or the temple of uh, the. Uh, but uh, I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Look, we have a we but have a caller. I was thinking that, that this guy was, you know, I said he wasn't very high, just just a simple gatekeeper, but uh, you were telling me that no. No, gate gate is a euphemism. Okay. It means that he is more or less a judge. So, the story is David consults his generals, they don't know. He causes a good guy named Musa to get fried. And he says, well, I don't know what to do. So then there's this Levite who's a gatekeeper. In other words, he keeps the laws and he kind of controls everybody else. So he's a, he's in a sense a judge. Yes, he's one of the. A, in the, a, when you read in the Old Testament, it's a knock as the Jews call it, and when it says gatekeeper or he sat in the gates, it's not just he had a nice good place. He opened it. the door for people. Yeah, that's right. So he's not the doorman. He sat in the gates means he is. He keeps the laws. He is the. So judge. So people
3: came to him yeah. with disputes,
4: that's and so right. ah, I see. So. so David, he? exactly, you nailed it. So David went to this guy who knew what to do. And obviously he said, Le- leave it here. I'm from the tribe of Levite. mm-hmm. Lovey, uh, Levites. Lovey, mm-hmm. Levites. And uh, and then after that, then we get after he knows how to take it in 15, David says, now from now on, only the Levites. So obviously the one I told him is the gatekeeper or the, the judge, the law controller from uh, the, the uh, tribe of Le- Levite.
3: Let's see if our caller maybe can tell us the name of this uh, this Levite. Uh, John, hold that up for me one more time, would you? Okay, Sylvia. I'm sorry, Sylvia. Uh, good to talk with you tonight. Thanks for calling in.
4: Are you there, Sylvia? I think you got to push a button.
3: Mm, it may be. I thought I did push a button. Let me see. <clears throat> John.
4: <clears throat> Maybe it's the right I button. I hit the button. Dude
3: Do, does this button here have to be on? No. Does this button? No. Okay. Uh, Sylvia, are you there with me? I hear it's on. Do you hear
2: anything?
3: Nope. Oh. Don't hear you. Let's go back and let me put you on hold. Uh, let me see. To put Sylvia on hold so you can go back and Okay. All right. Well, maybe we're working on it. it we'll get Sylvia up here. I think maybe Sylvia was going to try to give us
4: the name. That's of right. This, That's what uh, she was telling John. Yeah.
3: <clears throat> for some reason, we're not connecting with her. We're, we're working on it. Sylvia, hang in there. Be patient. Um,
4: Is she still, there's got to be a she's reason. Still there, for this. right, John?
3: All right. Well, let's let's continue uh, forward in our in our thought. John will be working on getting Sylvia up on the line with us. Um, there's another question I wanted to ask and move to after we talk about uh, this fellow named Uzzah he reached out and touched the ark to keep it from falling and he was trucked dead and so on there's a lot of lessons that we have from this uh, but we'll, we'll talk to Sylvia in just a moment and see if we can find out the name of this
4: individual well, we got other <coughs> callers calling with the same answer I think but Sylvia was first. Okay. The other question I wanted to look at here is that in
3: chapter 17 of First Chronicles, God promises to David that one of his sons would build a temple for God and would rule forever. Who is this greatest of all rulers whose dynasty uh, is eternal? Okay. Uh, we can – we can look at that in a moment. Yeah. Uh, it's found in chapter 17,
4: verse 11. Hey, Sophia, I think promise. John's trying to get you.
3: <clears throat> Let's try it again then. Let's go back. Oh, there you are. Are you with us now? Yes. Hi. I'm so sorry we had a good, hard time reaching okay. you, but thanks for staying with us. Okay. <laughs> Who was the do you were you wanted to give us the name? Who was the name of this yes. Levite? Of the Levite, yes. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom, yeah. yeah. And, and tell Is me, it? isn't it a fascinating story, Sylvia, really? Uh, Very. He, he he advises David, he says only the Levites, so they, and so David probably says, okay, well, keep it in your house for a few months, and, and we'll give it another try. And so he kept the ark for three months, and it says that God blessed him uh, greatly, and it wasn't a whole lot of money. It wasn't like he gave uh, gave Obad a great deal of money. That was not his reward. It isn't that he had great health necessarily. How? What was the blessing uh, that God gave to Obadadom? Oh,
4: I don't
3: know. Hmm. Okay. We'll leave that out there again. I. It's a very unusual blessing. It truly is. I think you'd be impressed uh with it. So uh but you got the person right. Obed-Adom is his name and uh-huh. and God promised him a great blessing uh and uh I want to I want to see what what was the form of the blessing? It wasn't money, it wasn't grandeur, it wasn't stature, it wasn't promotion necessarily. Uh but what was it? And I think we'll all be kind of happy when we discover uh what God did for this man. It it's it's Kind of encouraging to all of us in some way. Well, thanks for calling in, though, Sylvia. I appreciate it. You got us halfway there. Does she
4: have anything she'd like to talk about or ask Uh, Yeah, maybe you
3: have a thought or, I don't know, as you think about Chronicles and Saul and David and and this, anything in that that, uh, 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 Jacob was wondering if you had uh, a comment yourself about it. No. Okay. All right. Well, well, stay with us. We're going to continue to discuss uh, the book of Chronicles. And uh, and uh, ask right. questions and then discuss some of these issues. Uh, so, wow. if you remember, how, what was the way Obadiah Dome was blessed? If you can tell us that, that I would love to hear from you. Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. And then we put out that other question about who is this son of David? It's one of his sons, one of his descendants. I guess is what that means, right? Yes. One of his descendants would build a temple for God and would rule forever. So that takes it really a little bit out of the right, right. hands of kind of normal of mortals, normal right? People, I guess. Yeah. So who is this greatest of all rulers whose dynasty is eternal? So if you'd like to give us a thought about that, it's in First Chronicles chapter seventeen. This is where we see that take place. Now let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. There's so many questions.
4: And well, let's let's see. So, but let's talk. Let's talk about uh, since we're there it's uh-huh. a little bit before the third uh-huh. hour. But let's go ahead and crack an egg. Okay. Um, if you want to make okay, an omelet, you got to uh, crack an egg. Okay, so let's say, you know how we all talk about, and especially in the Christian world, and also in the Jewish world. To be frank with you, uh-huh. there's prophecies, and we. But that leads up to us to kind of say, does this prophecy mean this? What does it mean? We have to interpret. We have to understand. Uh-huh. However, it rarely does it actually state the requirements for the Messiah, a king, and a Messiah. And I will tell you, the idea is there's a difference between kingship and being a son. Now this if you look you still have your Bible. Uh-huh. Okay. Seventeen uh let's see let's see. Look at seventeen, twelve, and thirteen. Okay. Oops, turn one page too many.
3: Seventeen, twelve, and thirteen say it says Um for well, when you die and join your ancestors, uh, well, this is the prophet talking to David, Nathan. Nathan says, I declare that the Lord will build a house for you, a dynasty of kings. So we're not talking about a physical house, but a, a, a house, a, a lineage, a dynasty. Uh, Royal dynasty. For when you die and join your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, one of your sons, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple
4: for me, says the Lord, and I will secure his throne forever. Now, I want to point out something. Starting at verse, I guess, I don't know if yours is numbered a little different. Oh, 13. I will be his father and he will be my son. Is that what you were getting to? That's right. What I'm trying to say is in the line of kingship mm-hmm. you may be a king but you may not be a son okay now that's the requirement now what does that mean <laughs> well that means we're going to find out exactly what it means because this is explained a little bit later but I, what I want to really establish for everybody is certainly this is referencing ultimately a messiah mm-hmm. the one will rule eternally let's mm-hmm. say however Between David and the final act. while we're still in this world, temporal. (laughs) Well, well, every king Uh can be a king. So you may be a king, but unless you do one thing, which means, and I I need to say this, that for a Christian, Jesus is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Well, he, too, would have to fill these requirements. Mm -hmm. Now, being a king is... You, uh, your lineage is there. You're born. You're a king. Mm-hmm. You got the kingship, the throne. And we've got them here: David, Solomon, Rehoboam, well, Abijah, okay, Isha. Yes. There's but, a long list of them. Mm-hmm. But he may not be a son unless he does one more thing. So he has to have. He has to be in the lineage. Mm-hmm. He has to have the throne. But when he's got the throne, he's got to do one more thing. Would you like to see what it is? I would love to see it. I think I know, but I'm... Okay, I'm let's take a look over, actually, the place that's the most clear is 28, 6, and 8. Okay, we're getting out of our chapters know, for tonight, know, but, but that's this, all right. We the, don't mind. We, the answer is important. It is. Okay. 28 what now? 6 and 8. Oh,
3: wow. Good. Chapter 29 is long. We are going to get back to it. One more page. Okay. 28, 6, and 8. 6 and 8. Do you want me to read it? Is yeah, right? please.
4: Yeah.
3: <clears throat> uh, God said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple. Now, David's instructing Solomon, his yes, son, this here. Yes, this is later on. So uh-huh. David
4: explained to Solomon, what is the requirement to be a king? And a son. Okay. And so David tells Solomon,
3: God said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple and its courtyards, for I have chosen him as my son, and I will be his father. If he continues to obey my commands and regulations and laws as he
4: does now, I will make his kingdom last forever. Well, so the idea is this. And this is, uh, your version's a little more fluid, but the idea is this. You can have the lineage, and you can be in the kingship to have the throne. Mm-hmm. But unless you follow the laws of Moses, mm-hmm. you're not a son. And you'll see this, and I don't want to get tied back in Matthew or Luke, but when you go down the road, you'll see there are people that are generations apart.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. And and you say, well, how, this is generations. How did it skip generations? It's because he somebody held the kingship, the throne, but they did not obey the laws. Most actually, back in First Samuel or Second Samuel, uh, and in Kings, this is reiterated too. That I will make he I I will put him on the throne, but if he obeys the commandments of the law. It actually says the laws of Moses. Mm-hmm. Then he shall be a son to me. Mm-hmm. So that's a requirement for anybody interceding between let's say David and ultimately the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But that means that every guy that might hold the office of the throne the king's ship, but he may not be a son unless he does the laws that Moses wrote on. actually says the word Moses. Or the phrase Moses. So that would mean for the, If Jesus is the Messiah, he would have to be in the lineage of David, get the throne, but he would also have to obey all the laws of Moses.
3: You know, that reminds me of something, and I don't want to maybe chase this rabbit too far, but I remember in one of the Gospels, Jesus is being questioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, some would say kind of persecuted, but you know, let's say questioned, and and maybe even appropriately so. If he claims to be the Messiah, you got to answer a few questions. All you right. got to have the answers and know uh, about God and God's laws. And it says to, there was this time when they're accusing him or they're kind of in a, a, an attack on him, and then Jesus says, which of the laws of God do you accuse me can you accuse me of any of breaking any of the laws of God? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've always thought that was curious because, of course, me being Soapy Dollar, I mean, I break laws of God every day. I'm sure my attitude, and my heart, and, my, and so on. But it was so interesting that J- Jesus had the boldness to say, "Okay, I, I, you know, I'm I'm out here before you. I live a public life." Which which of the laws do you, you accuse me of breaking? You know, it, uh, how many of us could <laughs> how many of us could ask that question and, and not get mm-hmm. you know a long list? Well, you want to know? Here's a here's a list of uh, you, the ways yeah. you've broken God. May, I, may I, Evidently, may that I, was part of this yeah, idea. May, that he, and I
4: know yours is more dynamic, more modern, more fluid. Yeah, uh-huh. May I kind of read? Sure. The, okay. So here's what I want to read. It's twenty eight six through eight. And David's talking, he said to me, "Your son Solomon will be the one to build my house and my courtyards, my temple uh, for I have ch- and God's saying through David, I have chosen him to be a son to me, and he will be and I will be a father to him, uh-huh. so he's got the throne uh-huh. and then it says in verse seven, And I will establish his kingship forever, provided." Uh, he is abs- firm in observing my commandments and the laws of Moses, and he as he does now. So and when you go back and you look in, uh, I believe it's Second Samuel, uh, where David actually tells his son Solomon, and it's clear. And if you learn that there's two things going on in those sentences, uh-huh. one is the throne and the kingship, the dynasty, but he will be a king, but he may not be a son. So that kind of answers the question, how is Jesus, who is not, he's mm-hmm. generations removed mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. David, but for the Christian, Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So, But how is he the son of David? Kind of what you're driving at. Well, it's because he is in the lineage, mm-hmm. and he's got the throne. But he's a son because the requirement is, I also keep the laws of Moses. Now, that to me... That reminds me too of when Jesus was baptized and the voice came from
3: heaven and it says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Uh, A lot of things kind of and Jesus' insistence on calling God his father. Yes, Uh, I'm, I'm wondering now if that might be part of this formula that you're talking about, my, I've often wondered, mm-hmm. why did Jesus pick up on these words, Father, Son, you know, and later on the Holy Spirit? He's the one that kind of formalizes mm-hmm. that 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 um, those titles for the, the uh, members of the Godhead. Yes. Uh, there, it, could this could this have been the the reason, at least for Father and Son,
4: mm-hmm. that he's it's a takeoff on this requirement. Yeah, that may I point to be out, the Messiah? He yes, had to be a son. That's right. Now, what we're saying is, and I want to distinguish this for the benefit of the Christians, because mm-hmm. there's one thing I've really learned about talking with Christians: <laughs> is that talk down. No, no, nothing like that. And <laughs> Dumb I, it down. I for actually us. <laughs> heard some, uh, somebody recently, a very scholarly rabbi, uh-huh. say this, and I've learned this, and it's true. He said, "You must know when you talk to Christians, they love Jesus." They believe in faith. Amen. He said, so you must know that if you say anything that tells them that they interpret rejecting, then that you're threatening them with absolutely the worst thing that can ever be done to them, that their rejection in rejected. And the same thing
3: I could be said about the Jews, and if you say anything that minimizes or mitigates or, or excuses or throws away the value and the importance of God's
4: laws, the Torah you get the same kind because they love God's law. that's true but what I found enlightening for me Mm -hmm. is to always remember when I'm talking to a Christian they rely on faith and they really love Jesus yeah and so if I can't tell somebody don't love somebody. And if they think that's being hinted at, <laughs> they feel like they're being asked to reject Jesus. And uh-huh. the worst thing that can happen in their lives is, is if they get rejected. Yeah, 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 I get it. And so I, I have made that sort of my internal memo. Your rabbi was very wise yes. because we don't have
3: the... All that background and the connections with the laws and so on. Necessarily, I mean, we grow and we learn and we've come to un- understand the prophecies and the, the Messiah and the lineage and all. And it, we appreciate all of that. But uh, mainly, any believer anywhere, it, it, they just they love Jesus. Why? He died for me. He took my sins. Wow. You know, who? He forgave me. He's he's the key to my you know. It, 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 how
4: you're not going to love somebody who died for you, you know? <laughs> Do you know this is uh, – yes, exactly. Now, I want to make one little minor distinction here. Mm-hmm. When I'm saying he's got the throne and he becomes a son of David, mm-hmm. because David, as a human being, his requirements was that he's, he has the throne and he keeps to be a son. mm mm-hmm. He also has to keep Moses' law. Mm-hmm. actually says that in Samuel. I mm-hmm. mean, this is very clear. It's actually clear here in Chronicles. Mm-hmm. But now that's different than being what the Christians understand being a, a, a divine birth of uh-huh. Jesus. Uh-huh. That's a spiritual it. thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So if that's taking place, that's one thing. But to be a son of David, he has to have the throne. And he has to follow the laws of uh-huh, Moses. Uh-huh. That's a physical thing. Uh-huh. So if, when Jesus says in the New Testament, in the Christian scriptures, I am a son of David, uh-huh. he's telling these people, I have the right to the throne, uh-huh. and I keep all God's laws as written by Moses. Yeah. What an amazing
3: thing. When you think of all these centuries, and I, and I have a long list here of the, the descendants of, of David. Uh, the David Solomon Rehoboam Abijah Asa Jehoshaphat Jehoram Ahaziah Athaliah Joash uh, Amaziah Uzziah Jotham Ahaz uh, these these kings uh, that some
4: some were shameful and and kind of almost embarrassing. But if you go but, back to Chronicles, <clears throat> now that from the Jewish point of view, they may say uh, like last week we pointed out that it says Adam uh, Seth. Enosh, Okay. But who's missing? And you said, uh, and you identified it was Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. So as you're going through a lot of these people you're naming, while their names are mentioned, if if, let's say Mr. X has four children, uh, and they'll say, he had these four children, these things happened to him. But then one of those children, their name will be the next one we follow. Mm -hmm. So we're following it. Then that one will have maybe seven children. And they might say, what happened to those six And they could
3: all be interesting, and there could be maybe good people, but right. you're following one, one because it's One
4: that, of the children will it's always the, it's be named. It's that special lineage. In Chronicles, one will always be named, and then you start following that one. It, it says David had uh, several children, uh-huh. but the one we're going to follow is Solomon. Solomon. There yeah. you go. So, and then it talks about Solomon's kids. And as you go down through... Oh, oh I, we're I, back. I, I hear music. Man, how does this time go by so fast? I don't know. Oh, I love
3: this song. Well, we're going to have to take a break, folks. Stay with us. We'll come back for our final segment and continue discussing uh, things from the, the chapters from the book of 1 Chronicles. And, um, yeah, we've got some stuff to say. Now, one more time, I'll be answering the question about what was that blessing that God gave to this this uh, Levite who kept the Ark of the Covenant for three months. We'll be right back.
4: This going to be good. Here we go.
1: Weak, but thou art strong. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus keep me from all Jesus, wrong. Jesus keep me from all wrong. I'll be, satisfied, I'll as be satisfied as long. As I walk, let me walk
0: close to thee. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollars. Just walk with me, so just, 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 just a walk with me <laughs> Just so walk with
3: just walk walk Oh my goodness, I, I heard be that be old song be Thanks be John, that's a good Hey, close Just me, just
4: walk
3: Let's come back to our topic, our final segment this evening. We're in the book of First Chronicles, uh, chapters 5 to 24. And we just a lot of stories and a lot of interesting aspects. Let's move to a different uh, – I'm going to answer the question. Please what, answer the why question. Obed, in what way was Obed-Adom rewarded? It said, uh, as a result, for keeping the, the Ark of the Covenant in his home for three months – that he experienced a great blessing on his life, and what was that blessing? Well, it was on his family life. He had eight sons and 54, 54 grandsons, all of whom, it seems, followed the Lord and took their place and responsibility seriously as Levites to continue serving the Lord. Can you imagine? What a blessing. Eight sons and 54 grandchildren.
0: Wow!
3: Uh, so what? I think that's that's a real blessing. That's better than riches and wealth and whatever else, I don't know. Uh, a, a blessing on his family life. That was what Obed Adon received. Yeah, I think
4: that's
3: good. He, that's what he received for keeping the Ark of the Covenant. Now let's move on. We're talking, we've just talked about the lineage. We talked about the difference between kingship and sonship, that you may be the king, but not necessarily a son of God. And then, uh, I find that very intriguing, uh, Jacob, and a good understanding. There's something else I want to move to. Um, Let's move to this chapter 21. Okay. Where you were mentioning that I, I had never noticed the detail before of where this temptation comes from. Uh somehow we have David kind of getting the idea in his head he needs to count the people of Israel. He has to take a a, a um, census. And we've already we've already discovered uh about this is a dangerous thing. We've already known that this idea of counting the people because you don't want to put your faith in how many people, how many, how big your military is, or how strong your economy is, or whatever. You know, your faith and trust must continue to be in God Himself. So that might have been a little bit of part That's of this part because of it. That's part of it. David chose to to take a census and he told his general to go do it. And even his general turned around and told him, "You know, is this? I right really here?
4: am a fan of his general. Joab. Really, oh, Joab? Oh, yeah. If I had millions of dollars, I'd make a movie and I'd call it Joab. He would be my guy. Boy, he he was. He's an interesting guy. I'm I'm fascinated as to why you find him
3: interesting. Oh, because he's, he's one of my guys. Well, boy, he's, he's he's he's. He's
4: he makes things happen. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, that's a good way to say it. That's an understatement. I mean, boy, he kills a lot of people. I yeah, mean, he but is,
4: he keeps him, He keeps David in the seat. Yeah, he David may be a great philosopher and great wisher, poet, great thinker, and, but, yeah. boy, I got to tell you, Joab makes it happen. <laughs> he
3: did the job. Well, you're right there. So, uh, so it says,
4: Look what it says in verse 1 of 21. Go ahead. Yeah, it says, Satan. Rose against Israel. Notice it's against Israel. Satan rose against Israel, Satan, which means the adversary, and incited David to count Israel. So the point who Satan is trying to get to was the was Israel. But he and incited David to do something wrong by counting Israel. Now you identified that there was something wrong uh, with uh, with not having faith in God. that's a, I cannot disagree with that. But I'm going to suggest... There's
3: something more, huh?
4: Oh, yeah.
3: Okay, so Satan rises up against Israel, uh, not David, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. and causes David to do this and David tells Joab uh-huh. to go do it, and Joab says, Oh man, do you really want to do this? this oh is- don't do this, don't yeah, do it. Now. No, no. And but Joab the king in verse three insisted. Says, Look,
4: I hope you get lots more people, but don't do this.
3: He insisted, and so Joab traveled uh-huh. throughout all of Israel to uh-huh. counting the people, uh-huh. and there were one million one hundred thousand warriors in all of Israel who could ha- uh-huh. You know, this is the this is the apex of Israel's power and wealth and influence, right? Under the, uh, this is the golden years of, the golden age of Israel under David's leadership. And so they have over a million warriors and, and so on.
4: Well, so let's slow this down. So just okay. a little perspective. Let's go for it. Satan rose against Israel, incited David. Okay, so that all took place. Now we understand why is it? We're starting to understand. Why is it that this plague hit Israel and a bunch of people died?
1: Because
4: mm-hmm. Satan was going after Israel, not David. You got it? I, I think I do. So, so he says, yeah, I'm again, I want to do something to Israel. I know. I'll get David to do something he's not supposed to do. Do a census. Now, what, what's wrong with that? I'm going to just help you sure. out. Sure. It's this. Go for it. It is forbidden. And I think, by extension, this should be applied to all human beings. Uh-huh. But that's by extension. Never
3: reduce a man, a person, to a number.
4: There you go. Okay. It is forbidden in the Bible to count Israel. You can't count people. It's listed. in— You count their feet and divide by two, right? Uh, no, no, well, you no. could do that. Or, <laughs> um, however, uh, w- w- it's actually in uh, the first or second chapter of Leviticus uh-huh. talks about it. But beyond that it also talks about it in Exodus chapter 30. Okay. And it says, listen, God tells Moses and everybody. Remember, the requirement is you've got to follow Moses. Uh-huh. So, here's the deal. When you count Israel, you have everybody give a half shekel.
3: To the temple.
4: And then they count the shekels, but not the people. Because the things get counted by a number. People do not. So, it, the lesson there is that Israel can't be counted, it's in Leviticus, it's in Exodus. However, I, I would say that should probably be applied uh, expansion-wise to all human beings. That uh, Human beings are not numbers. People that go to war want to know, how many people do I have? I'll, well, send 5,000 over there, I'll lose three, but I'll still have uh-huh, two. Uh-huh. They start taking numbers and reducing people's lives to a number. Expendable. Expendable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, So what happens is, it, God actually tells in Leviticus, no, God, you cannot number the people. You number items. And in Exodus 30, you'll see God sets the system. This is how you do it.
3: But in a given moment, didn't God actually make an exception and told, like in the book of Numbers, uh-huh. he actually uh-huh. told the leader uh-huh. to take a census.
4: He did. And may I explain? Please. Okay. Let's suppose there's a guy who's a Jewelry store guy, and he has this velvet cloth. Okay. Uh huh. Now, believe me, it's in the text, but I'm going to explain it in a modern way. So, what happens is, he knows in his little velvet cloth in his pouch, he has 50 beautiful diamonds. Five zero? Five zero. Okay. okay. And 50. so, what happens, he goes home. He knows how many diamonds he has, but he lays out the velvet cloth. And he still looks at them and admires them. Mm -hmm. So when God was doing it, he was admiring his diamonds, not saying count them. Uh, Okay. (laughs) That's a good... That's good, I, uh, so I like that, well, so what's happening is so you can, for example, and I'm going to tie this up for you real quick in something in the and Joab knew this yes, he did that's interesting that uh, Joab also, remembered it and knew it, and oh, David didn't, evidently. did well, you see what I'm saying is uh but it says uh, Satan rose up against Israel, so the plague hits Israel because that's the point of who Satan's after was this another case of David not knowing God's laws? I think it is hmm. And so he incites David. So the way they – but he was after Israel. So when this plague hits the man, you say, well, if David sins, how come these other guys get killed? Well, they opt ah, You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because that's who Satan was after. Well, well yeah.
3: Well, first we've got to get to David's sins. Uh-huh. This unusual story then that God uh, – the this prophet – and, and, and it's interesting that these Nathan was one prophet who put his bony finger in David's face and said, you're the man, you're the one that did this. And now you got another prophet named Gad mm-hmm. who comes and tells David, you made a mistake. You, you goof, buddy. You're yes, you are yes, you're, yeah. you're in trouble. And, and And the good thing is that we see here that David doesn't take a year or 13 months to – Come be honest with God, like he did with Nathan, and, and you know the the, the uh, adultery with Bathsheba. He he immediately says here, he immediately repents and asks God. For, is that what you get? That, yeah. that this yeah. was more immediate. Uh-huh. David is learning; he still has an eraser on his pencil, but he is learning. And so, when they confronted with his sin, David reacted by confessing his sin, repentance, humility. And then God gave David the choice to choose his punishments. Right. You made a mistake. You, there's going to be some consequences. You're going to have to be punished for this. But it's like telling a, you know, a 10-year-old boy, go out and back and pick off a branch for me to give you a spanking with. Right. You know He had to pick out his own punishment. And he had three options. He did. You could have three years of famine in the land, yeah. three months of destruction by his enemies, and... Yeah. Or three days of plague on the land. Uh, and and he what, chose what did David do? He chose the three days of plague. Well,
4: let's take a look. Twenty one thirteen. What okay. does that
3: say? Oh twenty one thirteen. Okay.
4: Let's see what he says.
3: I'm in a desperate situation.
4: I'm very distressed.
3: Yeah. David said to Gad, But let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. Don't let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel in ah. seventy. Well, but so. w- but wouldn't the uh, let me see what were the three choices? Uh-huh. One was, uh, wouldn't the um, which one? Fam- the three years of famine would uh-huh. have been. But another thing from God's hand. Uh-huh. In other words, He didn't want to be destroyed by His enemies because that puts Him in the hands of of people. Uh-huh. But He chose. I'd rather be punished uh, t- from the hand of God uh, because God is gracious and merciful. And so God sends these three days of plague instead of three years of famine. But, I guess I would go with three but, days. Yeah, but
4: David is not the – he says, I can't choose. I'm gonna, I'd rather let God choose. I'm going to fall in the hands of God. Let God choose.
3: I see. Okay, okay, okay. That makes, that makes sense.
4: Okay, but I want to tell you something that before we get too far away from the half shekel,
3: Uh-huh.
4: Because you'll catch okay. this because you're being the Christian that you are. Oh, yes. Uh, and I know you love Jesus, and, and you're very, and you believe in faith. I do. Yes. So here's my point, is that we know God set up a way to count half shekels. That's the smallest coin
3: available. And every person, rich and poor, was to contribute. Nobody can same give amount.
4: more. Nobody can give less. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. Anyway, it is. Now, do you happen to recall any story in the Christian stories where this is? They don't use the word shekel, but they should. They use the word penny. Do you recall any story where this happens in the New Testament?
3: Could that have been the little old lady that gave her the what we call the widow's might? Uh, the widow's mite. And Jesus saw her put her little right. penny into and the what offering, did he say? and he said, "This woman has given more than any all the rest together, because she's given out of
4: her out poverty.
3: of her poverty." Yeah.
4: So. But she's doing what she was commanded, uh-huh. so she gave the half shekel. And we know what time of year this is, because this is done at a certain time of year. So she, we say, might, we say, penny. Is it whatever. around?
3: Uh, uh, is it around uh, this festival of
4: lights? Uh, yes.
3: Is it around that period? Uh, is that? So around? what
4: happens is, well, but the woman does this. She's doing it. If I took out the word penny or the word might, and I put in. She contributed her half shekel. Mm-hmm. You don't give okay. mites, and you don't give pennies. Uh-huh. That's Roman money, English money. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you give Jewish money uh, to uh, the temple, and then that little half shekel gets counted. Now, when it gets counted, that means that somebody al- out there gave it. Yeah. She'll always be remembered among Israel. <laughs> Interesting. So that's Interesting. so that's the application in the Christian scriptures and the Gospels. Uh-huh. So what happens is, but this is why when Satan rose against Israel, he wants to get to Israel. And he incites David to do it. David becomes the tool. And had David been familiar with all of God's laws, mm-hmm. he, as Joab evidently was, he said, uh, David would have said no. Mm-hmm. So, But he didn't. And so... Ultimately, Isn't that
3: funny? In the earlier story, he took the council; he sought the counsel yeah, of his generals right. to give him – and in this case, he refused the counsel of his general. I mean, I'm sorry about the interrupting, but that's no, – Well, no,
4: that's okay. But so – and actually, and I know it's in the interest of time, you know, uh, I do want to mention this, that um, when the United Nations, when they decided that Israel was going to be awarded the land, uh huh, there was – uh, everybody says, "Oh, God gave it to me." Oh, God gave it to me. Now that's a, a great thing. But a guy named Ben Gurion, who uh-huh. was a short Jewish lawyer, you might say, he said to the uh, people in the United Nations, he said, "Actually, he said, uh, uh, and they said, other than you saying God gave it to you, because uh, these other these Arabs say it too, uh, do you have any proof?" And Ben Gurion, well prepared held up the Bible and said, yes, we have a deed. <laughs> a contract it was uh, signed it well, was, And uh, oh. what makes a deed in law is you got to have what's called meets and bounds, you know the size, mm-hmm. you got to have what's being bought, you got to have a price mm-hmm. And the answer was, you have a deed and he, they said yes. And so we know Abraham, he goes out and he ends up at one of the stories in Genesis, he buys the land from a Hittite. Ah. Is this
3: where, so that he can find a place to bury Sarah? Yes,
4: but that's a lot more than just a cave. Okay. So he's buying it. He meets and bounds and tells you what it is. Mm -hmm. Now over here, uh, in David, you mentioned it earlier, David pays for the site of the temple.
3: Mm Mm-hmm, that's right.
4: So what he's doing is, so everybody bought and paid for the land of Israel on a physical sense, other than God giving it to them. Isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating, all right. And we'll get to that about the altar
3: that he, the the the, the place, the property he buys, mm-hmm. the uh, threshing floor of Aranua, Aranua as you call right. it, or whatever.
4: And uh, in verse uh, twenty-one, twenty-four, yeah, he, he said that's where David says no. I insist on purchasing it exactly what Abraham did. In fact, what's fascinating in the Hebrew, it's the, the other person the same said words. they wanted to
3: give it to him, yes. right? But he said, "No, well, I'm I said,
4: paying you for it. You can't ever say you gave it to me." Yeah. First of all, God gave it to me, but I'm paying you for your rights, your interest. And
3: he says something: "I'll never give something to the Lord that for which I have not." Right. Isn't uh, that where he says
4: uh, I can't give something to the Lord that costs me nothing? Right. And then later, here we got David. He also pays for his part. Uh Uh, 21 24. David answered him and said, No, I insist on purchasing it from you at full price. I will not offer up to God what belongs to you or sacrifice burnt offerings without paying for them.
3: They have cost me. Ah, There
4: you go. That's your verse.
3: Uh, give something to the Lord that costs me nothing, uh-huh. and that, uh, that's an. I hear preachers talk about it at offering time
4: sometimes. Right. Oh yeah, when they're
3: I saying, think. "Yeah, dig deep, get into your wallet, right. give deep, Don't you know? Give,
4: don't." So what you've got is, throughout <laughs> all these characters in the Bible, uh-huh. you've got them not relying solely on that God gave it to me. Uh-huh. You've got uh, Abraham actually marking off the boundaries, paying for something. Yes, okay. Solomon paying for something. Every one of these people, when you add up all they bought, it's the land of Israel. It's a deed. Oh. And to have anything recognized in law as a deed, you've got to have meets and bounds of the boundaries, what's uh-huh. being bought, the price, that kind of stuff, okay. the terms. And that's how they won the case in the United Nations because it doesn't – you can call it the Bible, but uh-huh. it's, a, it's written in there yeah. as a purchase. As a
3: record, yeah. Yes. Well, then, uh, before we get too far along and maybe our time running here, I want to jump back to this punishment that God gave. Three days of plague on the nation of Israel, 70,000 people Whoa. died as yeah. a result. And uh-huh. so this raises a question that a lot of times we think, wow, well, that does that seem right, that, that – David made this mistake and all this,
4: and well, and he God. was he was incited to become the instrument of Satan. Uh-huh. But it clearly says that Satan wanted to get to Israel, it, right? Now, yeah. The question was, if if God gets upset, we think, well, they must have violated some laws of God or something. But this is clearly saying that Satan's upset, so Satan wanted to get to Israel. The last barrier between Satan getting to Israel was at that point David, but he incited David to do it, mm-hmm. and even Joab told him, "Don't do it," but he did it. But so, what so was Satan yeah, we come to safe? that
3: question. though. a lot of people would ask, "Well, that doesn't seem right. How? How do?" And and of course, this isn't the only time in Scripture we see God uh-huh. dealing a threat. You know, the whole nation suffers uh-huh. because of the mistake of an individual or, or something or a king. It can happen His, that.
4: Uh, t- let's talk about that a bit. Uh, so, what was Satan upset at Israel about? That's the question.
3: Well, because uh, Israel, God's people, they were a witness to the world of their time about the true and living God. Uh, they were, of course, opposing uh, all these false gods and idolatry, and they were opposing a lot of the uh, the wickedness and the in the corruption and the perversion that went along with the worship. So of other, so they're standing there. <laughs> I'm sorry. As a people, they were standing in the way of, of of Satan's job, you know, trying to disrupt God's plan. God, Satan hates God. He hates God's people. He hates God's redemptive plan. So he's trying to disrupt that. I would I would think some way or other that he's trying to maybe even cut off this lineage because not only is Israel supposed to be. Uh, pointing people faithfully toward the true and living God, and to the countries and the empires around them, and so on throughout the centuries, but they were also going to be the vehicle, the vessel through which God would bring the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah. So, if He could cut off that lineage, uh, He could disrupt uh, uh, the, the very redemptive plan that God had for for mankind, for the whole for the whole world. So, maybe those are some of the reasons why He
4: hates Israel. Um, well, let me show you, and I, only in this time I want to tell you something. Okay, so sure. So let's see if we can start putting a little bit together in a minute. Okay. So let's go backwards into Chapter 20. Okay. So we know who killed Goliath, don't we? Yeah, we do. And who is that? Uh, King David. Well, well, as that, a boy. As a boy. He got him pretty good, Pilgrim. Twelve-year-old
3: kid, right. right? Got so, him with a slingshot.
4: As John Wayne said, you know, it sure is getting lonesome up here in the saddle since my horse died. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, so, okay, but look at verse. verse, I want a 20, verse, chapter 20, verse 5. Okay. What does yours say?
3: During another battle with the Philistines, Elhanan, son of Jair, killed Lamni, the brother of Goliath of Gath. Ah. The handle of Lamni's spear was as thick as a weaver's beam.
4: Ah, uh-huh, and 6, it says there's another battle in Gath involving a giant of a man who had six fingers. Uh-huh,
3: six toes in each uh-huh. foot.
4: Yeah. Well... Now this is why, sometimes may I be so bold as to say the uninitiated gets confused by things.
3: And he, this one was killed by Jonathan.
4: Ah, uh, does it say that? Yeah. Well, uh, is the word you've got the name for killed him in verse five? E l c h a n a n. Verse five. Verse five. Oh.
3: Oh, oh, no, I'm looking at the one in verse in 6. In another battle, the Philistines, they encountered a huge man with these six fingers uh-huh. and toes. At you, but when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother. Oh,
4: another Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. So but what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes you say, well, there's obviously mistakes. Like there's a couple of people who run out there and they'll say among, uh, you know, oh, well, obviously there must be different traditions that were written down and, Ah, uh, they never they no they didn't have enough sense to make the match, you know, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And that's that J P E and D mm-hmm, junk mm-hmm. I almost said a, a mm-hmm. nasty word. Yeah, I know, I know. And uh anyway, but what they don't know is we're talking about David. But poetically we're talking about let's say a spiritual endeavor. So when we're saying, ah, oh, this guy is David Okay. And so now if that's his physical name, but it's in an interest sometimes it looks like that it's a different guy but it's talking about a quality of him let's say a spiritual quality uh-huh. so actually and i know we're out of time but they're going to
3: get to is this relate to the idea of why god killed 70,000 people or yeah, they died in this plague because he's mad
4: at israel because david's getting rid of the bad guys who are evidently these uh, bad guys whoever they are that are really with the philistines and, and we don't yeah. know the
3: nature of this plague do we We don't know exactly Uh, what it was. No,
4: no, no. The plague is a word that's translated in English, meaning it's uh, something that caused something. We don't know the exact thing it is. Hmm. But Satan wanted to get back at Israel because they're conquering, they're taking the land of Israel that God said belongs to them. So he's going to stop Israel. Well, I've always,
3: before we run out of time, when I deal with these situations where you see innocence killed what we think are innocent people, women, children, maybe. I imagine there were some children among these 70,000 people that died and so on, moms. And, you know. I've always been one to th- look at that in the big picture and say, well, maybe that's just a reminder, too, in a way that uh, li- life on this planet Earth is not the ultimate. In other words, uh, we have to remember that uh, the worst thing you can do to a human being is not take, even take his physical life. Because this this entire life we have is only a portal. It's only a doorway into that ah, eternal, time. our eternal existence. And so I kind of take it, and that, that to me mitigates a little bit the idea that people, these 70,000 that died may have been believers, godly people, and they went right on into the presence of God to be with God forever. Well, using
4: the word heaven, they went to heaven. Yeah. I just to say, I'm wondering about that I would just want to say one thing that you should always be into tomorrow's Memorial Day that's a lot of people have died we should remember them and uh, secondly always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent see you next Sunday folks thanks for being with us
0: Military Ministry mailing address is po box 18888 that's box
3: 18888 San Antonio Texas 78218
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz (laughs) Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast.
3: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to
0: America and the world.